It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. studio via the zoom nicole halton from inspired ec how you doing nicole hello i am brilliant i i think you're brilliant too um <laughs> hey i i've got a i got kind of a i got a, a it's a it's a dog story but it's also a girl power a girl fierceness story um so so i'm out with uh with uh, Gigi and Slinky the other day for an early morning walk and they're off their leash and running through this field and, and Gigi takes off and, and uh, comes running back proudly with a baby bunny in her mouth because uh, uh, baby bunny wasn't fast enough. And she, she gulps down the baby bunny because uh, you know, oh. it's breakfast time face first. And uh, w- this isn't even the good part of the story yet, Nicole. <laughs> no. um, and so we walk a little bit further and, and there's just a, a little bit of upturned uh, uh, a ground. Do you have moles? Do you have moles? No, we don't have moles. Okay, so we got- But I know what moles. a mole is. Yeah, they're, they're like, <laughs> they get their little flipper feet and they crawl under the ground and, and they leave that when they're close to the surface, the, the you know, it's kind of like Bugs Bunny cartoons where yes. Bugs Bunny would tunnel. Okay, so there's a little, little ground there. You can tell there's a mole tunnel and Gigi, she stops. And then she she pounces forward on one of these little little upturned gra- dirt areas, and she digs a little bit, and uh, she uncovers what is apparently a a dead mole, oh, covered in just hundreds and thousands of ants, oh. devouring its its mole <laughs> corpse, and so oh, she wow. uncovers this and and picks it up and and swallows it. Ants and all. I mean, she does this and she's smiling and she's got like some ants on her on her little dog tongue and everything. And then and then she turns around and pees on the remaining ants in this little hole that she just dug. So um, talk about girl power and fierceness. That's uh, so a real empowered dog. Um, Oh, my gosh. See, my dog. Well, my I used to have a dog um, had a thing for, well, anything dead. And mm-hmm. his on the beach, his best one was a giant rotten fish, like mm. that had washed up on the beach and what. And he was probably only like I don't know three months old or something. So he was a puppy at the time, and he got it in his mouth. And like him and my husband had like a standoff. And my husband's like, just hand it over. He's really calm. He's really gentle. He's like, just hand it over. You're not in trouble. And then he'd step closer and the dog just started swallowing it whole. Eventually he swallowed the whole thing, like bones and like maggots. And it was 
the most disgusting thing. And it's like, and now you've got to get back in my car and drive home from the beach. Like dogs yeah. are gross. That's why I think your children need a new dog. You know, I'm still looking. I look like daily. I now have alerts set up on my phone that tell me when new dogs have been listed. Um, And then I send them to my husband and say, what about this one? This one's cute. Nothing yet. Well, well, because a few months ago, you sounded dead set against it. So I was pretty uh, against it, but I think I'm on the train now. All right. We've got to get him on there too. Six months from now, there's going to be a new dog. We could have a dog. uh, and the Halton family. Uh, so we're we're doing another episode in our in our math series. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about you know we're talking pre math, sending kids from the early learning programs off to school. Uh, we'll call it math ready. And I think another one of the big things they need to experience in the early learning settings is is language development because if you're going to go to school and you're going to learn how to do those those cursed story problems and you're going to learn how to use all the all the vocabulary um, of, of mathematics you need a foundation in language and so I don't know if everybody thinks about language skills as also being math skills but I think they absolutely are and and so one of the things we can do in our early learning programs to make kids math ready is to make them give them learning language rich experiences in their early days Yes, correct. I agree. All right. Well, that's the episode. Um, (laughs) No, I think, well, for me, language skills are kind of everything skills. You know, I feel like they're one of those things that you really need language for so much of what children do, particularly when they go on to school. Um, Though, And it's not necessarily about having the biggest vocabulary or, um, you know, the best grasp grasp on the English English language I haven't even got a good grasp on it right now I can't even get a word out um but I think it's that recognition and understanding of language it's like those basic things that we do through conversation with children that's probably the biggest one for me is conversation with children is like the biggest thing we can do for language development if we don't talk to them they don't hear enough language um I can remember reading or hearing about a study and I cannot for the life of me find it. Um, but it was when I was at a conference a few years back and they were talking about this study that had, you know, this direct correlation um, between the number of words that children heard and the, uh, I hate to use the words academic success, but, you know, that follow-on effect, like how there were children in, um, and it depended on socioeconomic areas and different demographics, but they had clearly shown that there was a direct correlation between children having kind of success at school and being, you know, lifelong learners when they'd had exposure to a huge number of words. Yeah. uh, And it wasn't even about the quality of word. It was about the quantity of word. 50 million words in the first five years. Um, and they, the kids who went off to kindergarten with those 50 million words in their their life's history were more successful in school, more, more likely to graduate from high school, more likely to go to college, more likely to graduate from college. Uh, some of those kids that had the 50 million words in their first five years started school with bigger v- working vocabularies than the parents 
of some of their peers who who didn't have that language in their background yeah. um and on and on to to like you said uh, earnings as adults and everything and so so that language is is vitally important and i i think what you, the point you made about conversation is really important too because in a lot of early learning settings and probably home settings kids are talked at more than they're talked to yes. And that doesn't really give them an opportunity to practice the the give and take of language, which is a big yeah. part of the process. Yeah, and I think it's an easy trap to fall into. And I find it happening sometimes as a parent that I will fall into that same trap of just talking at my children. And it's not a deliberate thing. It's a that you're caught up in the stuff, I suppose, the I need to make sure that everybody's had their dinner. I need to make sure that everybody's, you know, put their stuff in the dishwasher, that you've got your clothes on, that you've had a shower, that, you, you know, it's like going through the to-do list. And so there's directions. It's like it's a lot of commands and directions rather than opportunity for actual conversation. And then when they try and give you the conversation, it's like, don't back chat me. So I think there's like there's a real balance, and I think I I know I was much better at it when they were littler, and maybe it was because they couldn't back chat. No, I don't know. But when they were littler, I was much better at having those conversations about what we were going to be doing, and oh, we need to go hang the washing on the clothesline, and I wonder how we can you know get all the washing into the basket, and you know how many pegs might we need as we're getting the washing out, and blah 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 blah. Now I'm like, somebody go hang the washing out, like done. That's it. <laughs> it's like as they get older, it's like, oh gosh, that conversation, you know, in some ways it increases, but in other ways it becomes more directive and commanding. And I think you need to stop and go, okay, we're not just like ticking off a to-do list. We're actually supposed to be engaging as human beings because otherwise what I see happening and I know even sometimes because we're so busy we've got you know school things on and you know sport and all sorts of stuff that the other night I think um we finally had no children present they were all off doing things it was quiet and I looked at my husband I'm like I don't even know how to begin a conversation maybe I should just tell him to do something go and pack the dishwasher go and do something because we get into that like I don't know it's routine talking at rather than talking to and I think you have to train yourself back into talking to or talking with rather than talking at see that was a lot of talking at absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. hey hey listeners i gotta i gotta pull back the uh, curtain on podcasting for a moment um <laughs> and and uh, applaud nicole on on becoming a professional podcaster because uh, <laughs> during during that last uh, sentence that was about three minutes long um i got up left the room went and got some ice to freshen up my drink and came back and and nicole didn't miss a beat she didn't uh, talking. <laughs> didn't flinch when i got up and left didn't 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 have no. i mean if I wasn't pulling back the curtain and telling you now, you would have never known it happened. But that's some professional, you know, that's some professional podcasting that your listeners are getting right now. That was really that was delightful, Nicole. That was that it was uh, really. Was I told you I can talk with a mouthful of water, marbles underwater, didn't I? I can just keep on going. 
And so, I th yeah, and, and you can, and that's good. Um, I think another another way we help them build language is by by getting the hell out of the way, because it turns out that real child led play is is a great opportunity for language development. When we step back and let them let them create their play universes and do all the preparation and all the bickering maybe that goes with it, that's a great opportunity to practice language skills the give and take of conversation to to uh, introduce and practice using new vocabulary and and on and on and and so it might not seem like it but some of the one of the biggest things we can do to help teach language is to not try to teach language and get out of the way and let it happen yeah and i think that's it it's it's not so much that we need to actually teach language to children it's just that they need to be exposed to language and to have the opportunity to naturally have it emerge as they need it and it's kind of like you know when children are learning to write most children will learn to write because they've realized that actually that serves a purpose I want to do something I want to communicate something and so being able to make those marks on that page is going to help me communicate that and so it's the same I think with language development it's like if I have enough words I can communicate what's going on and it's funny it makes me think of <clears throat> my son when he was I don't know he was about probably 18 months old I suppose he might have even been a bit littler and we were at the shops and he'd always been and still is a very verbal child um, and had a lot of vocabulary and a lot of vocabulary that was you know beyond what I would have expected just random things he'd say and we were at the shops one day and he was having one of those typical kind of toddler moments of you know complete and utter meltdown on the floor but as he was melting down on the floor he was like virtually narrating the whole thing and he was like having this full-blown conversation with me and this lady said to me he's far too old to be you know having a tantrum on the floor I'm like lady he's only 18 months old and she's like not when he speaks like that and I'm like well, that's how he communicates, but he also communicates with, I'm having a big meltdown, like a typical toddler. I said, so, you know, and cause she was kind of, you know, I think there was that assumption that will, and I think we say it a lot about language development that, you know, children have meltdowns or tantrums because they don't have the language to communicate what they need or what they want. Sometimes I think they still have the language. It's just that that's developmentally appropriate, but they're also practicing what that language can do and how that can help help or hinder the whole situation i think so much of language is experimentation we, we, yeah yeah and <laughs> i i've just thought I've, I've met plenty of adults who have sufficient vocabularies and still uh, have a who, meltdown who still have meltdowns <laughs> I, mean, I mean i mean it, it it happens and then and then we i mean we get all up in kids grills when it happens to them but i i know plenty of 45 year olds that it that it yeah. happens to as well so um maybe we could give the kids a little bit of a break when it comes to that kind of thing uh and one of the other things about i mean the importance of that vocabulary is because when they do start formally learning mathematics, uh, the better the better your language skills are, the better your vo your vocabulary is. The the more precise and relevant questions you can ask, and the better you understand what's being explained to you. And so it's really giving kids a head start, helping them helping them build build their vocabulary skills in the early year learning years.
Well, and I think even some of those concepts, like those mathematical concepts that we don't even really pay a lot of attention to, like when children start to distinguish between, you know, over and under and, you know, big and small, and then to realise that there's a whole bunch of other words. It couldn't just, doesn't need to be just big and small, but there's like enormous and there's huge and there's tiny and there's, you know, all these other words. And so we've got this big vocabulary, then we can start to understand concepts in completely different ways. It's not always just two things um, but there's a whole range of things or you know and I think having a stronger vocabulary enables children to be able to receive that information and make sense of it so much better yeah you can you can think more precisely <laughs> when you have a have a wider vocabulary yeah absolutely it just gives you more more range I suppose and yeah. you know things and like I think you said before you know being able to solve some of those kind of you know a lot of the math problems that children will face early on and that math learning is through story and through you know Sally has five apples and then Fred comes over to play and she gives Fred an apple and how many apples does Sally have left kind of you know those story problems and I think when we have that language to be able to comprehend that whole scenario you know you're not looking at isolated bits of information you're actually putting a story together I think having that language development is important for being able to put a story together and make sense of that why are there tiny little rainbows swirling on the wall behind you I don't know why are there where I can't even see them <laughs> I don't know there's a crystal that hangs from the window Okay, the well, the crystal hanging from the window is reflecting onto the wall behind you and, can't even see it. And, I can't and making, see it. making random little prism oh, yeah, rainbows. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it yeah. is. Um, <laughs> I wondered hey. why your face had gone like that because I'm like, am I saying something that's like really, really off base here? What's happening? <laughs> no, I just saw a, a, a rainbow card swirl. Um, and then another piece of the language is the whole the whole written language thing because I mean you if they're going to do math they're probably going to need to write and yeah. so that that it requires building the fine motor skills and learning to differentiate between positive and negative space um, and 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 define that this little squiggle means means something. three and this little squiggle means something else. Um, and, and so there's that side of the language development that becomes becomes an important part of the pre-math too. And so pr providing plenty of opportunities for them to hold writing utensils and scribble and, and, uh, and draw and those kind of things is an, important as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, all of those language skills are just so necessary. As I said before, I think they're just necessary for life and for everything that we do. But yeah, if we want children to actually um, kind of make sense of math, and I think that's one of the biggest problems with math as we teach it to children once they get into school is that it's often quite, well, math in general is often quite abstract. And I think if we want it to be something concrete, then they need to have language skills to be able to kind of pin it down and make sense of it, like those stories or, you know, those sorts of problems where we actually need to be able to put words around that or, you know, whatever that looks like. And it, it occurs to me too that I guess I've been taught, we've been talking about language for about 20 minutes now. Um, I, I don't even, I don't even think it's really that important to give them math language um in the in the early years because i think when they start caring about 
math language numbers um, specifically or addition or or other concepts they'll i mean they'll they'll bump into those things and and grasp that when they're when they're ready for for them and so i think what a lot of what happens a lot in early learning settings is we kind of push mathematic vocabulary on kids um maybe earlier than they need it or care about it and I'm not sure that's even worth the time and effort when it's the the whole concept of language and uh, and the give and take and dance of language that's more important than than that specific vocabulary. So what you're saying is I don't need to teach the three year olds what a hypotenuse is. Probably, except that it's it's really fun <laughs> to to hear three year olds pronounce the, the word hypotenuse, hypotenuse. Or, or rhombus. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I mean, I mean, if you want to perform for grandma, I guess you <laughs> you, you can. But uh, I mean, and if they care about those things, absolutely <laughs> give them the vocabulary. But um, I, I think in a, in a lot of programs, you got adults sitting down with two year olds and flashcards yeah. and trying to trying to shove that vocabulary into their head. And eh, I'm not sure it does any good. And I think so much of the simple math vocabulary it comes up just in conversation you know and um you know like we oh there's no there's no blue textures oh we need to get more blue textures more done like that's <laughs> there's a math concept more <laughs> like it's simple stuff and that happens in everyday conversation but children start to pick up on that and get that trend and you know sure. understand what that means before a minute and a half ago when was the last time you said hypotenuse oh, i don't know actually Oh, I, no, you know what, actually, I think it was recently because we do a big family quiz every weekend and it was in the quiz. Um, <laughs> there was a question about that. I can't remember what the exact question was, but it was actually in the quiz. So probably think, in the last few weeks. Oh, well, la-di-da. I think a hypotenuse, <laughs> a hypotenuse sounds more like a, a body part to me I, <laughs> instead of a math concept. Um, hey, I fell, I fell down the other day. I was out for a hike. I fell down and hurt my, <laughs> my hypotenuse. hypotenuse. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I think it should be. Um, any other thoughts on this one before we pull no. the plug? Hey, listeners, <laughs> you need more to call, go to inspiredec.com and check things out. Did a, did an online training with Nicole not too long ago. She's delightful. Um, she Some really checked us out. Some days. <laughs> Some days. Uh, Some days. Uh, most, you know, we all have our moments spent a little bit of a lot of days with you and you seem always delightful. So I, I've never, I've never seen you not be delightful. So I'm sure, I'm sure it happens. I'm oh, sure it I happens. Do some investigating and find out about it. But. No need to investigate. It happens. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Oh, by the way, listeners, if you have a, a fierce, awesome dog story, like the one I shared at the beginning of this uh, episode, I'd love to hear it. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.